Hi everyone, this is Katie Botick back for episode number five. I'm here with Boonmi. Hi you guys, my name is Boonmi. So Boonmi, I'm sorry, how do you pronounce your last name? Uh, my first name is Boomi. Uh, you don't pronounce the N. And then my last name is Omisore. So if you think of like treble clef in music class, like Omisore, that's how you pronounce it. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's Boomi. Oh, I love that name. Um, so Boomi is a senior at Arundel High School. Will be attending Duke University in the fall where she'll be studying public policy and education. And it's also taking part in the Robertson Scholars Program, which I will have to hear more about because I'm not too familiar about that. But um, so just for Duke background in general, Duke is ranked number nine in national universities by U.S. News and is located in Durham, North Carolina. Duke had a 7.7 acceptance rate in 2020. And I assume that's definitely gone down this year because this year was literally crazy with admissions. But um, And the average SAT score for Duke was 1450, making Duke an extremely competitive school. And Boomi and I are not from the same school, but we're from the same county, Anne Arundel. And Boomi has served as our student member of board for the 2021-2022 school year. So just in general for high school, I know that you're graduating in like 20 days, uh, is it? Yeah, I graduate June 7th. My last day is like in 20 days, though. So it's, it's coming down the pike. That is insane. Just as of right now, what, what was your... GPA for high school. So when I was applying, I had a 4.53 weighted and then a 3.95 unweighted. And then once I sent in my mid-year report, uh, my GPA went to like a, a 4.54. So what it didn't variate that much because I didn't take a lot of classes senior year. But yeah, it was around that. And then my rank was, I was ranked third in a class of like 540 once I started applying. Okay, so did you do a half schedule yes, this year? Yes, I'm pretty sure all okay. SMOBs, I don't know if they're required to, but like you basically have to because you have to do do so many meetings throughout the day. Yeah, oh, completely. Um. So did you submit your SAT score? And if so, what was it? I did submit my SAT score. I submitted all my test scores and it was a 1510. So 750 for math and then a 760 for reading and writing. Oh, wow. That's amazing. I know that it was such a weird year. Not even, Okay. It wasn't really a weird year. Last year was a really weird year, but uh, do you think that all in all submitting the score helped you a lot compared to people who didn't submit them? Um. So in terms of like admissions, I have really no idea because I don't know how truthful admissions officers are when they say that like you won't be penalized for not sitting in test scores. Yeah. What I will say is that I took it upon myself, which if you think about the timeline, it was very difficult because when I was studying for the SAT, I was also running for the board. Um, so it was very hard to study. But I took it upon myself to make sure I could send in scores that I thought were competitive because I didn't want like the psychological um, backlog as I was applying to plague me. I didn't want to keep on thinking I have to make this essay extra good or I have to make sure this letter of rec is extra good to compensate for not having a test score. Um, yes. So just like mentally, I thought that it helped me in my admissions journey. But I have many friends who got into the same places I did and they didn't submit test scores. So it really depends on the school. Yeah, and I know that um, Arusa told me that one of the other student members of boards in, in another part of Maryland got into five Ivies with no SAT score. Yes, yeah. Um, I think Arusa's talking about the St. Mary's mob, who is one of our very close friends. Uh-huh. Um, 
And we can like get into like the importance of test scores later on. But just to mention now, a lot of people put emphasis on stats, like your Mm -hmm. GPA, your class rank. Uh, But what they don't recognize is that like there's thousands of valedictorians, thousands of people get perfect scores in the SAT, but those people aren't the ones who necessarily make up Harvard and Yale and Stanford and Duke. Um, So like to any people listening who are like, I have to get a 1500 plus or I have to have a 4.0, you really don't. (laughs) Um, Because like if every single kid who got into these schools were like that, it wouldn't be that much of a diverse class. Okay, yeah, that that is spot on. That's so spot on because I feel like also everyone is constantly trying to take the same route that everyone else is taking. And I feel like the ones who are really um the ones who are really competitive in these top school admissions processes are like the ones who take the less beaten path. You know what I mean? Right. Or they they take a path that's authentic to themselves. Yes, out of and pure interest. They, they think is what the admissions officers want. Yes. Yes. That's something I've definitely seen in the culture of school. Like everyone, well, I'm in the STEM program at South River, so things can definitely get a little bit, I'm kind of on the outs of STEM just because a lot of my friends are like, I have most of my friends are outside of STEM, but it can be a very competitive culture. And I think that in that culture, it's like people can get envious of other people getting opportunities that others didn't or like becoming president of this club or doing this thing. But I feel like it can tend to stray away from actual interest. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. And, and I'm not going to lie. I kind of fell victim to that myself. Uh, Like you said, I'm majoring in public policy and education. I'm very, I know this kind of sounds facetious, but like, I'm not that good at math. Um, (laughs) However, yeah. However, throughout high school, I was always in upper level math. Like I came into high school being immediately doing sophomore level math I think I took I took algebra two freshman year and since then I've either like doubled up on math or just like not been in math class with most of my grade because at Arundel in particular if you want to be like in the top I would say the top 10 you're gonna have to take classes that you would otherwise not take regardless of if you are interested in them or not right now I'm taking linear algebra which I don't know of any politicians who need linear algebra, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm going to have that under my belt, whether I like it or not. So, you know, that's one mis- like that's one regret I would say I have is taking classes that I wasn't necessarily interested in yeah. just to, I don't know, have an arbitrarily higher rank where, I mean, to be very frank with you, my GPA would have been fine if I had not doubled up on math every year. Yeah. But, you know, everything worked out, I think yes. so. Yeah. See, I, yeah, I, I have still taken such a rigorous course load with STEM and just because of personal, like just being advantageous, but I did not double up in math. And that is such an uncommon thing being in the STEM program because everyone's like, I'm doing double math. I'm taking AP stat and pre-calc at the same time. Like I'm taking AP calc, A, B, B, C all in one year. And I'm like, Oh, I'm in pre-calculus. Like, (laughs) but, um, I don't know. I just didn't, I just, I don't know. I'm still in four AP classes right now as a junior, which is, I think, like, the normal thing if you want to be competitive. But I just, I don't know. I I haven't, I'm not in AP Calc, ABBC. I'll take AP Calculus next year, but um, I definitely am with you on that because, I don't know. I just, I didn't want to rush my math because it's not the best. But also, our class size is smaller. You said that yours is 500. Mine's a little over 400. So I'm still 12th out of, I think, 410. So it definitely still did work out in the end. But um, talking about SMOB, oh, for 
SMOB stands for student member of board, just so no one is confused. Um, but so SMOB is definitely a huge commitment, but, and you said like half schedule just to attend meetings and stuff like that and really fill your duties. But what activities were you involved in in high school other than SMOB? I am so glad you asked that because um, <laughs> when I talk to people, especially people from states that aren't Maryland, so they aren't used to uh, students being on boards, never mind one that has full voting rights like I am, they they always think like, oh, well, that's how you got in. But I've only been doing SMOB for coming up on a year. Yeah. Uh, and my college, as a college applicant, there is more to me than something I started doing last July. Um, wait, and- wait, uh, quick question. Uh, what other states don't do student member of board? I, I thought, I kind of just assumed that every state had it. No, no, it's a very unusual thing. Most oh. states do not have students oh. on their boards. They might have like student like advisory councils, mm-hmm. but for a student to actually be a member of their board of education is exceedingly rare. Okay. And in fact, uh, there's only two states that allow their student members to vote on regional boards, and that's Maryland and California. Maryland is the only state in the entire country that has full voting SMOBs, and I'm Anne Arundel County is the only county that has a SMOB that can vote on everything, which I guess would be me in this case. Okay. So, yeah. But to answer your question, so I would say when I was applying and as I was going through high school, I kind of, I wouldn't call it a niche, but I was filling a certain narrative for what I wanted to do through high school and after. And most of that was dedicated to educational equity. Okay. Uh, Like you said, I'm I'm going to major in public education. I mean, public education, public policy, because I want to work within creating public educational policy. So a lot of what I did throughout school was social justice and um, school based. Okay. So I founded my school's equity leadership council And I did a lot of projects actually partnering with schools like South River and also Crofton, which is nearby to us. Oh, awesome. Um, Yeah. For that club, uh, I was part of Let's Talk Justice, which is another social justice club at the county level. Okay. Where I was able to do a lot of work within our school system and within, I live in West County. So I did a lot of things within like the Odenton Gambrels areas um, and partnering with other nonprofits that live in Anola County. Uh Uh-huh. Um, like I mentioned to you before we started recording, I did a podcast, uh, with a series of girls across the country, uh, that was dedicated to basically mental health and neurodiversity, Okay. uh, which is something that's personally very important to me because I have a brother who's neurodivergent and particularly for, uh, black students, they go seriously underrepresented and underdiagnosed when it comes to psychiatric, um, conditions yeah yeah so that's something I dedicated I think I started doing that right after COVID uh like we got shut down and I continue doing that for a little bit before uh senior year honestly the perfect and time to do a podcast I know I know because we're at the laptop all the yeah. time um this is kind of a mouthful I'm looking I'm actually like looking at my common application now so I don't forget anything I did oh thank you um yeah so I did uh, our county executive, Stuart Pittman's Youth Advisory Council, uh, which is basically what it sounds like. He, he takes about one to two students per school in our county, as well as some private school and homeschool students, and uses them to get the youth's perspective on initiatives that he's planning. Um, I was the chairwoman on that Youth Advisory Council, which I made sure to mention. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and did a lot of different projects dedicated to testifying for bills, creating projects for our community service, things like that. Uh, next, and this is really funny because if you met me in freshman year, you'd be surprised how low this is on my list, but I did speech and debate all throughout high school, all oh, four years. Awesome. I was, I, yeah, I was the captain of our team um, my junior and senior year uh-huh. for our speech side, and I competed. I won state awards. I competed nationally, and it was a really, really huge part of my high school experience. I would implore anyone on the speech and debate team at their school to join it because I love speech and debate. Um, you, I could definitely tell just by like the charisma you have in speaking that you that 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 really <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. That's hilarious. You have no idea how much I hear that. I, <laughs> I, I find that so funny. Um, but yeah, so I did an internship at the Department of Social Services, captain of my mock trial team. I worked all, almost all throughout high school, uh-huh. which uh, I don't know that that's uncommon. It, I guess it depends where you really live. Yep. But I, as soon as I turned 16, I had a part-time job and I've been working one ever since. Even with SMOP, I still work. Oh my so, God. Yeah, I know. Um, and then the last thing I put down was that I was uh, a Rundle's represent, representative, sorry, for superintendent, Dr. Alato's student mm-hmm. advisory council. Now, obviously I've like taken a different role now that I'm technically his boss, <laughs> but, uh, I still like go to meetings and talk to students at those meetings. So that's basically what I spent the last four years doing. A lot of it is based around Anne Arundel County public yeah. schools public education and building equity for the communities that I inhabit. And I think the reason why when I would talk to someone who would ask like, how did you get in? It's kind of hard to answer because I did things that I love doing, not thinking about, Oh, this is going to be good on a college application or, Oh, like my admissions officers are going to eat this up because at the end of the day, what I realized is that I'm going to be fine just as a person who I am. I'm going to be fine whether I go to Harbor University or Towson mm-hmm. University. It really doesn't matter where I go for school because a lot of the stuff I'm going to learn is the same. It's just a matter of what I'm doing from freshman year to senior year. Am I being fulfilled by it? And do I love what I do and do I do what I love? I think that's what I accomplished. Although sometimes being smob can be very trying because you have all these long meetings. But I don't think with all the stuff I've done and even smob, I don't think I would trade any of it for the world. Yeah, honestly, I can tell just by the way that you that you're explaining things and also the depth of your extracurriculars that you know there's no there's no admissions officer in any position to be fooled because I I you can tell your passion through your involvement, you know what I mean? Like anyone right. who does things just for a college admissions officer, honestly, like I've heard from so many people like they will see straight through any bullshit, you know what I mean? Yeah, I've heard that too and You know, what I will say, because I think it's important to recognize that, like, the college admissions experience for, like, middle-class Americans, like us who go to public school, Mm -hmm. is different from those students who go to theater high schools, who go to private schools that cost almost as much as the university costs to attend, where they're kind of set up, like, their dad went to this school, their granddad went to this school, they're set up to go there. And so I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention that, like, my journey is different because of my identity, where I come from, what school I attend, my family's socioeconomic status. And that's going to be emblematic either for better or worse for any applicant that hits an uh, admissions officer's door. Yes. Um, you know, that that's the hard truth. And so 
Some might argue that like, you know, me being middle class, going to public school, I need to work a lot harder than someone who goes to like Phillips Exeter or Andover. And mm-hmm. while I won't confirm or deny that, what I will say is that um, one thing I thought about once I was applying, because I always wanted to go to a top school. I always wanted to go out of state. Yes. Um, but one thing that I thought about that I wish a lot of kids would who are kind of prestige obsessed is that all <laughs> the people that I look up to in my life did not go to a top 20 school, which of course yep. they would because it's like a small number of people in our population. My parents didn't. My principal didn't. My mentors didn't. The people that I want to be one day didn't. And they ended up being the inspirations for who I want to become. And yeah. so like to any person who thinks like, oh, it's Stanford or bust or it's MIT or bust. <laughs> The majority, the, the teachers that taught you did not go to those schools. The people that you love probably won't or did not go to those schools. And so regardless of where you end up, that's not going to basically deter how your life is going to run. Because I I, I know I'm privileged to say that now that I've gotten in, but yep. you're going to be doing homework. You're going to be doing tests. You're going to be studying late night, regardless of what the school's called. Yes. Yes. No. Yeah. My dad um, is a University of Pennsylvania graduate and- he says to me straight up, because I'm interested in doing computer science, um, and he says to me straight up, you will be just as happy at College Park as you would be at UVA or Vanderbilt. You know, like it's, I don't know. He, he makes me feel really good about it, especially coming from a, from a place of prestige. Um, and like, I can really tell your passion through your extracurriculars and stuff like that. And I completely agree with how your university doesn't set up your entire life because, you know, it's really not, it's really not the all or nothing sort of thing. Cause I feel like also you have to do well wherever you go. You know what I mean? Like you have to make sure it's the right fit for you. Um, and I guess that all that answers my question about your interest in public policy, but I wanted to hear a little bit about your campaigning for SMOB. I actually, we do have, um, a, I'm not sure if the results are out yet for the SMOB for next year, but we did have someone yeah, but Jaden Ferris of South River is running for SMOP. Yes, I know, I know you knew him, but... <laughs> yeah, oh. so, um, the, uh, and I will say, uh, <laughs> running for SMOB, I, it's kind of like, okay, this is a, this is a bit of a niche re- reference, but, like, you ever heard how, like, moms, they usually say that, like, they forget the pain of yes. pregnancy, so, like, when they look back on it, they don't remember it being as painful as it actually was. Yeah, we learned, about, we learned about that in psychology. It's like if something is so painful, your memory chooses to block it out. Yes. Well, I would say that's how I would describe the SMOB elections. Because, <laughs> like, so, uh, actually, so the SMOB results are coming out earlier than they did when I was running. I think I got mine in the middle of May. They're getting theirs in early May. When I was running, obviously it was junior year, which a lot of people tell you to have your most um, competitive course load your junior year, which is what I did. So I was taking six APs, including Calc ABBC, during AP season while studying for SATs. And doing all of that, I was running a campaign team of about 10 people from like five different schools around the county. And I kid you not, I would like mute I would go on Google Meet since we were virtual, have my Google Meet for my class on there, throw it across my room, and then on my laptop be visiting middle schools across the county during class. No, thank God it worked out. But um, <laughs> I would be doing school visits between third period and like we call it pride period at Arundel. I don't know what it's called at South River. Um, I would be on Canva making posts for my SMOB page 
while my teacher was giving lectures and doing Nearpods. It was insanity. That's hilarious. Yes. Also, I would be rushing down in like an old blazer to go and do a smob debate that like thousands of people are going to watch all while still needing to rush to go do SAT prep. So it was like, it's honestly (laughs) crazy to think about that it's only been a year since then because uh, sometimes I like to think that like underclassman Boomy was a lot smarter than I am right now because uh-huh. I was just doing like things that if I were asked to do now, I think I would simply combust. Maybe that's senioritis. <laughs> maybe that's just me being self-deprecative, but I truly don't know how I got through that campaign. And I just want to give a special shout out to the other candidates. So Fletcher and Natalie who ran because I can look at that time fondly because I won. Yeah. But, um, and I've had conversations with them about this. Like, it's very hard to put your heart out there and then to not get elected. So yep. really just cheers to all of us because that was a really hard time to to be doing a smob election. Yeah, no, I completely get it. I mean, this is definitely like microscopic, but I ran for student body president this year and I lost by three votes. Um, and it kind of sucks also because less than half of our um, student body voted. So it got, it got all kind of just. Who, oh, I heard about that. You're the one who lost by three votes. That's crazy. Yes. Oh my god, you heard about that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of sucked for me, but also, I mean, it all kind of worked out because I got elected for president of our future business leaders of America, which I've been in for like four years now, and then also president of our key club, which Arusa was this year. So I was yeah. so happy about that. So it kind of just proved that everything worked out, and I'm sure that your um, other people that you campaigned against, like learned so much just as much as you did but I so kind of a stalker but I looked through like all of your highlights and stuff and saw how like I was super interested in how you toured all these schools in the county and I feel like that's so cool because I feel like even though we are one county I feel like there is so much difference in each school in each area and I'm just curious to see like if that changed your outlook on education or just any insight on how that tour was for you or I guess your tours it definitely did and I'm <laughs> you really did your research I'm yes. glad that you asked about that because so I'm not like I wasn't born in Andalda County I moved okay. here for eighth grade so I grew up in Baltimore where uh, I grew up in like a predominantly immigrant community. I'm first generation American. So when I moved to Anne Arundel County, I was looking for a community that I did not have. Like I there, I used to go to like an all Nigerian church. I still do, but I didn't know anyone who had a name like mine. My neighbors didn't look like me. I was going to a new school. It was really a culture shock. Here in Anne Arundel and, County? Yeah, when I moved okay. here. Okay. And so- as I have grown up, as I've gone through high school, and really, I would say the catalyst was becoming Smob, I've been able to see Anne Arundel County as a community from going to these schools. I, I'm like, I bleed green. I'm a really proud wildcat. And so when I would go to like North County, when I would go to Annapolis, when I would go to South River, and I would see like the paths that you all take to get to school, mm-hmm. when I would see like your feeder schools, and when I would see like the school apparel you all wear, the way you guys walk to class, where you all hang out during, I think, is it at, at South? It's Nest. Yeah, I was going to say, is it Nest? Like, those things that I thought were so unique to me, seeing that you all have versions of that yourself Mm -hmm. just meant the world to me. And as someone who, I would would like to describe it as all I really know is school. Like, I've been, now I'm a senior and I'm going to do four more years, probably three more years for law school. But like, 
for 13 years, all I've known is school. And I would say it's a one place that I could call home because I just know it so well. And yeah. Visiting other people's schools literally felt like visiting your homes, visiting where you spend six to eight hours a day and where regardless of if you love school or if you hate school is going to affect your adolescence and who you become. Yes. It, it was it's an incredible experience and I kind of poke fun at my predecessor Drake because we were virtual so he didn't get to do that uh-huh. um and so me getting to do so means the world to me and I'm actually going to be as part of being a board member you're required to go to at least two graduations I'm going to five so I will be going to South River Broadneck Saverna Park uh, Chesapeake Science Point, my own graduation, like things like that, to see, <laughs> to, like basically send off people from their homes and, and join them in that kind of momentous occasion. But, and I could only do that as SMOB. But I think one thing I know a lot of people might not agree with me on this, but I really think Arundel County is probably one of the best counties in Maryland. And yeah. I, I probably will move back and live here because Aww. I love it so much after doing this job and doing this work and being able to visit people from Pasadena to Glen Burnie to uh, Fort Meade to Gambrels to Davidsonville. Like yeah. it's just, we have such a great County in our hands and yeah. I really, to all those listening, like, you know, be thankful that you live in Arundel County because it's a really great place to live. That's so amazing. Um, it's so nice of you to come to all the graduations too. Are they all, okay. Are they all at MGM casino or no? Yeah, they're all at Maryland Live. They, okay, yeah. I know they used to be on, like, the, the turf for the schools. Yep. But, like, yada, yada, yada. We basically have a contract that allows us to do our graduations there for free. So we're using it. Yeah, my dad plays poker um, there probably, like, two or three times a week. I think he's honestly there right now. So he will, he loves that because my brother is graduating this year. But um, so – Something very huge, especially for me as a female, I'm just going to explain. So Boomi sent an amendment to secure free menstrual products for AACPS as of literally today. It has been officially funded and we should be able to have menstrual products in every bathroom at AACPS at the start of my senior year, which is literally amazing. So I just wanted to hear a little bit about this amendment. So was this difficult to pass? So yes and no. So uh-huh. when I passed this amendment, keep in mind a little bit of background. So basically in Maryland, House Bill 205, which was basically a requirement for public schools in Maryland to have free menstrual products, was passed last year. The issue, I guess I'll call it an issue, but the issue with the amendment was that there was a clause that like you really don't need to get this done until 2025. Yep. Um, yep. And I took issue with that because I was thinking... I know a lot of school systems, not ours, but I know a lot of school systems will basically dilly-dally on getting this done because they know they have time. Yes. And yes. so when I was running, I I think I actually ran on, I'm going to make sure this thing is completed by uh, the next school year. Uh-huh. So it will be done by the next school year. Um, one of the things that I didn't expect when I was running and I learned once I, I was elected was that we had a lot of unforeseen issues due to going back to in-person. So as you may know, bus shortages, that has attacked our budget because now we need to pay more bus drivers. We need to get more buses. Yes. Um, yes. Things like teacher shortages. We need to pay our teachers more. So there are things about the budget that I didn't foresee. Yeah, I heard and- I heard a little bit about both of those issues in the SMOB debate for this year. I, lo- I watched a little bit of it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm sure. Well, well, I won't say anything about that. What what I will say is that my successor, he will learn that there are things that he does not understand because he's just not in the room. Uh-huh. Um, And 
that once he does become a board member and if he's studious, he will be able to make a lot better um, solutions based on the fact that he has all the facts about what's going on in our county. Mm-hmm. But anyway, let's not focus on that. So um, when I passed, when I made the amendment, it was, I think, one of the larger amendments that we had to the operating budget on that meeting. Um, a lot of the amendments were like $30,000, $70,000, maybe like $300,000. I had posted two amendments. There was one for a free AP test, mm-hmm. which did not pass, but I just want to let y'all know, I tried to get y'all free AP testing. You're on our they side. They didn't pass it. That's not on me. You're on our side. Um, <laughs> and the second one was the free metro products, and it was about $2 million. And I was thinking this blows a lot of our amendments out of the park and getting $2 million added to the budget when we already have so many things packed was, I, I wasn't expecting it. I was thinking this might not pass. Yeah. But it did pass seven to one. I think it helped that um, I there's like a severe female bias in the board. There's only one male board member. Yeah. But ironically enough, the only person who didn't vote in favor was actually a female board member. So I thought that was funny. Oh. Um, but yeah, so it passed because a lot of the women on the board and on my Instagram page, you can see my a bit of my remarks as I was proposing the amendment. A lot of them, yeah, a lot of them agreed that it is a bit ridiculous that you have girls in America, in a school system like ours, which is one of the wealthier ones in in Maryland, that Mm -hmm. don't have access to tampons or pads. I mean, even saying that right now, it feels ridiculous because that is such a fundamental human right that we're kind of stopping our menstruating students from having. So they... They seem to be touched by my remarks and they saw my point and so they voted in. Now, the reason that I knew that it was passed in December, I believe, or February. The reason why I hadn't publicized it was because there are tons of things that we put amendments for and that we pass on the board. But if the county, which is where we get a lot of our money, if they say, well, we're not going to cover that, then it doesn't matter what we pass on the board. If it's not, we're not getting the money, then it doesn't matter. But last board meeting, as you already said, we got our basically what was approved from the county executive and local county government and all of it, all the money and a little bit more was offered and approved for us to move forward. So it is officially happening. So that just blew my mind because I was like, I can stop holding my breath. I can stop yeah. waiting at the door to hear if this is going to happen or not. I think that, I don't know if you're a Hamilton fan, <laughs> um, it's kind of crazy, but like yeah. that idea of legacy when I saw on our paper that it was approved and we got the funding, I just thought, you know, for what else? Some people don't like me. I know it's hard to believe, but some people don't like me. They don't like, they might not agree with some of the decisions I've made. But one thing I know is that there will be girls next year who were where I was mm-hmm. when I first started my period, except they will have somewhere to go to. They yes. will have a product and I didn't have that. And, and that's just... Even now, thinking about it is insane that I could have done that because if you asked me a year ago, I wouldn't have believed that I'd be here right now. Yeah, no, that is all so amazing. And I feel like it's also such an important thing to talk about because I feel like periods have such a stigma because it's something that, I mean, I've I've never had to worry about the cost. I'm so grateful to say that I've never had to worry about the cost of buying toiletries or things in need for myself. But when I go and buy them, they are really expensive, especially people who have sensitivity issues and need a certain kind of thing or can't wear tampons or need a certain kind of a pad. Like it is all, it's all so expensive. And it's, it's, it's like, 
crazy to think that something that's actually a necessity for us is so expensive for homeless people too. Like that's such an issue. And also I feel like with just the period stigma, it's like females, at least what I've noticed, it can be different for everyone, but it's just, it's normalized to be embarrassed of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, well, we, we, we could, we could get into a feminist podcast really fast. But what <laughs> I will say is that the only reason why it's taken so long to get to the, something like this is because this only affects women. It yes. only affects people who menstruate because if this was affecting men, this would have already been done. Yes. Uh, another thing that I will say is that besides the fact that this is something that is needed for hygiene, this is something that all menstruating students need, I think that the way that we've treated this issue has made an air of, that's your problem. Yeah, you're bleeding <laughs> uncontrollably for like four, four to five days straight. Yeah, well, you figure that out. I'll give you toilet paper. You know, I'll give you soap. I'll give you paper towels. I will even um, give you a super expensive air dryer for your hands. But you need something to stop you from bleeding all over the school. Yeah, you're going to have to cover that on your own. Like that, that's just the conversation <laughs> yeah. that like, I imagine in my head. And it, it sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Yes. So thankfully we are now putting that to rest at least in animal county there's yeah. a lot to go across maryland but and we are so grateful we're so grateful um people at school were talking about it caroline finn do you know her oh i know caroline yeah we yep. were talking about it arusa was talking about it today at tennis um it it really means a lot to us so thank you again but um transitioning over to more of the college part First of all, congratulations on getting into yale and harvard <laughs> that is insane <laughs> and duke. yes and duke but um I don't know, getting into like people, you know, the best schools, like that is, that is amazing. And, but just about your um, application process. So I know that you got into Duke and these two, but what other schools did you apply to? Um, okay. So let me go down the list. So I applied to Harvard, Yale, Duke, UVA, University of Maryland, Vanderbilt, Emory, WashU and UNC Chapel Hill. Um, and the reasoning for my list, besides Harvard and Yale, I was very strategic mm-hmm. about the schools I applied to because, uh, to be very blunt, it was really about money. Uh, yeah. My parents were very, very um, upfront to me, like my sophomore year, because they knew I wanted to go out of state. And they said, okay, if you want to go out of state, you're either going to find a school that's going to give you a full ride or a school that'll make it as affordable as UMD. If it costs more than in-state, then you're not going to go. And I was like, okay. Um, And so I literally, like, I went on Reddit and I looked up top schools that offer merit-based aid. And I went down the line and I was like, okay, Duke, yeah. Vanderbilt, yeah. Emory, WashU, UNC, Chapel Hill, I'm applying to them all. Um, Particularly Duke, which, um, spoiler alert, is the school that I've committed to, is... I think it's a top five school and on some rankings it's the best school for public policy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the major I wanted to go into. So it was Duke was my dream school. I hate using that term because mm-hmm. I think it, it, it can be kind of unhealthy sometimes. Yeah. So I don't I have one. About, I'm staying away. Yeah. I'm like, no, yeah, no, no. Please go, please go. <laughs> um, I would say you should have a dream price. Don't have a dream school. Yeah. Um, but when I when I thought about like best case scenario, regardless of like all the trials and tribulations where I wanted to be, it was always Duke. Um, 
I, and we could get more into that, but I, I don't know if you have any more questions, particularly on the college, you know, journey, so. Yeah, um, well, that kind of answered my question of why you chose to apply to these schools, but um, I saw, again, on your Instagram highlights, <laughs> your, <laughs> your tour of Duke, and so I was wondering, like, how did that tour go? Like, was it, was it everything you had imagined, um? going on from your sophomore year like was it everything you had imagined anything surprised you anything you're disappointed about was it what you had pictured so I guess a little bit of backstory um my older sister I'm the youngest of four my younger my older sister told me you know when you step onto the school that you know you're supposed to go to you'll know mm-hmm. um and she's a she's like a huge romantic like she believes in all like that fictional book stuff so when she said that to me I was like I don't know and a bit of backstory. A week before I had visited Duke, I had received a full ride from UVA. I was named the Jefferson Scholar, which uh-huh. if any of you li- listening come from a school that nominates for Jefferson Scholar, I highly implore that you apply because it's a, an amazing program. And so I had spent uh, like four days in Charlottesville and I was going around UVA, touring, learning about like what it would mean to be here. And I, at that point, I had known that I had become a Robertson Scholar, which is a full ride to Duke. But I was thinking like, do I only want to choose that because that's what I said I always wanted? Yeah. Or am I actually giving it a fair chance? Because I was really enchanted by the program and by UVA. And so I had landed in North Carolina and I had stayed at the uh, a hotel in Durham. And my friend, one of my close friends who I've known, he was also named Robinson Scholar. And so he had a friend who was a tour guide. Okay. And he said, you know, if you guys want, it was the Thursday before any of the activity started he said, if you guys want, I can take you to go look at the campus. So it was me, him, and one other um, of our friends. And we stepped onto the campus. It was just us four. And at that point, and you saw those pictures on my Instagram. Yes, I did. Pictures. Like at that point, outside of all the noise and all like the selling points of the scholarship, I had looked at the chapel I had looked at the brick buildings in the dorms and I had seen the students walking in their blue devil gear and I had thought like this is where I meant to be Mm -hmm. just point blank I had fell in love with the Mary Lou African-American Center their historical manuscript library um just all of it and that was the first day yeah and so um I I could honestly say that I think when I was there, it exceeded all the expectations that I had had. Like there okay. were things that I had learned about it that I didn't even know when I was applying. Uh-huh. Um, and really, yes, going to Duke is awesome. Going to Duke is free for free is awesome. But what really struck me was the people that I met there, the yeah. people who ran the program, the students who were talking to us, who were like mentors to us, the other kids who were in my cohort for that scholarship to the point where on the last day, which fun fact, I was actually there during the historical Duke UNC game. Oh. So I was literally at a watch party while it was happening, which is insane. <laughs> I got to be there at that time. Yeah. But um, there was a moment before we went to the watch party where we had to do like acknowledgements like acknowledge what we're thankful for. And I literally thought beyond the prestige and the money, I could not imagine giving up the chance to go to school with the people that are part of that program. Uh-huh. And even even when I visited Harvard and Yale, although I did meet, meet some really great friends there that I will be visiting in New England as much as I can, I could not imagine going to a school that didn't have the people that I met that weekend. At oh, wow. Okay, so it was really like 
just clear to you that this was your this it was, was crystal I, I think I committed like that same night um, <laughs> <laughs> like it was so clear and even now like obviously it's a podcast that you can't see but I'm wearing my duke shirt I have my duke water bottle like I am yeah I am so excited my, you're a blue my, devil my parents dismay I'm so excited to go down to North Carolina and start the next four years because I really think it, it was where I was destined to be yeah um did that 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 it's like makes me so happy that you felt really at home somewhere. But did um I'm just curious about Harvard and Yale financial aid wise. Did they also give a good portion of money, or was it a little bit harder for those two schools? It was harder for those two schools, which I had known it was going to be because just like my family's financial situation and like I have siblings who are in college, but like the way financial aid works, if your siblings aren't in undergrad, then like yep. they kind of don't care. Um. So I had known it was going to be hard mm-hmm. financially. Um, but when I went there, I would say if Duke and Robertson didn't exist, I, I would have gone to like yeah. Harvard or something. I really enjoyed it there. I will say Yale's fine. <laughs> it just like the people I met at Harvard and like the, they have a really good Nigerian yeah. community there, uh, which made me feel at home. I probably, it doesn't that sound weird to say like, Oh, you know, I guess like my second yeah, Yale was, was okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it sounds like, it sounds... But, yeah, um, I understand what you're saying. But, you know, I've had so many people ask me that question, you wouldn't believe. Um, like, oh, well, if you had gotten, like, a full ride to Harvard and Yale, would you have picked one of those places instead? But honestly, no. And I'm going to tell you why. The Robertson Scholars Program, which anyone listening, apply. I don't care if you think you can't get in, because I thought I couldn't get in and I got it. Apply mm-hmm. is... Like, the only scholarship of its kind that allows students to take classes on two college campuses. So, as a Robertson, I'm a, like, my home campus is Duke, but I get to take classes at UNC, and... Oh, no way. Yeah, I know. It's, like, the only scholarship that allows you to do that. And, obviously, full ride, but you also get to, like, if you have any external scholarship money, which I do, like, from scholarships I've won outside of, like, Robertson, you get to keep it yeah. and refund you. So, like, it's kind Aww. of like you're getting paid to go to school, uh, which is yeah. really nice. But besides that, free study abroad, which is insane. Like, I get like, uh-huh. a full year of study abroad that I get to use. And they pay for you to have summer experiences so like they pay for you to if you want to go do research in like the galapagos islands they will pay for you to do that or if you want to like start like uh, do a startup over the summer they will give you funding to do that and there's like yeah there's a whole plethora of other stuff like i if i were to name all of it i we would be here for five hours but um (laughs) the thing about robertson that and not to brag, but I had other full (laughs) ride offers. So it wasn't just like, you know, easy. Oh, I'll just pick that because it's the most money. I had gotten a full scholarship to Vanderbilt, UMD, UVA. But what set Robertson apart was that they had supports for you besides the money. And yeah, yeah, that's that's so important. It's so important because especially for people who are kind of like us who come from like public schools. I'm not going to call like, you know, like the South River area or the Arundel area, like the middle of nowhere. Um, Oh no, I know. Yeah, yeah. I got you. But compared to kids who like come from New York or LA, like going to a school like Duke or Harvard or Yale, you can kind of feel lost. And so the fact that like, I literally have a staff of people whose entire job is to make sure that I'm successful and that I could do what I want to do um, Uh is something that, 
no offense, but Harvard and Yale can't beat, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. That's, see, that is my fear, going somewhere and just feeling lost. You, I would literally die to go to UVA, but it's like, I don't know. I would just worry about, about like you said, feeling lost. But that all sounds like so much thought was really put into your process, and it is so important. And so um, just thinking about your application in a holistic way, if you could do anything different what would it be um (laughs) so and i was it's so funny you asked this because i literally was on the phone with my friend michelle before and i said verbatim like i had no regrets no regrets about how i did it i think the only thing that i would have which is just like you know not to be like arrogant but like the only thing things i would have done is like to boost my own ego right so one mm-hmm. thing that I, I don't necessarily regret, but that would have been fun if I had done, which like, I really want to apply to Stanford. I didn't apply to Stanford because I yeah. thought there was no possibility I would have gotten in. Obviously, I didn't expect to get into Harvard and Yale and all the other schools I got into. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not really a good, I guess, like, observer of my own competitiveness, if that's what you want to call it. Yeah, you're not you're not your own hype man. Yeah, yeah, I am not. <laughs> Um, so I think the only regret I had was stopping myself from applying to particularly programs, um, like scholarship programs, because I thought it was too competitive. For example, I didn't apply for Coca-Cola scholars, um, Mm -hmm. which in hindsight is, I feel dumb for not doing because now I'll never know if I could have gotten it because I had a lot of, a lot of my mutuals who got into the similar schools were Coke scholars. So I definitely would, I definitely could have been one of those people I just didn't apply um and there were different scholarships that I didn't apply for because I thought it was way too competitive and it's kind of like yeah. that preemptive imposter syndrome where like you feel like you're so undeserving of an opportunity that you don't even think you should have the audacity to apply and that's oh that's the worst yeah. thing in the entire world that's something that really plagued me and affected me really at every step of the application process. There was actually a point where I almost didn't apply for Jefferson Scholars and Robertson, if you can believe it. Really? Like I almost didn't apply. In fact, like a fun fact, I was actually at a meeting, like a board meeting, when I had gotten an email from Robertson that they had extended the deadline because there was an issue with the website. And if they uh-huh. had not done that, I don't think I would have gotten the application out in time because I was so behind with schoolwork and uh-huh. snob work. So like it's really I think I turned it into the last day of the extended deadline so like a week after it was supposed to have been due so uh-huh. I mean divine intervention you can call it whatever you want um and even with Jefferson the only reason why I ended up applying is because my counselor had done all the work to fill out my nomination form so I felt like it would have been unfair of me not to apply at that point um yeah even though I really wanted it I was just like even if I don't get it which I probably won't I was wrong um I, I got to do it because she she believed in me. So I have to believe in myself to make. Yeah. Yeah. And that shows like she you said that she was your counselor, yeah. right? That shows it's so important to have good counselors and teachers and stuff, because in the STEM program, there are some teachers where I wouldn't be where I am without them. You know what I mean? Oh, I know exactly what you mean. And and I tell yeah. students this because they they a lot of younger students don't realize how important this is until they're caught with their tail between their legs senior year, but building relationships with your teachers matters. Not just because mm-hmm. you need a letter of rec or not just because you need someone to bump up your grade, but because the educators in your life are some of the only adults that you will see. Like this senior year, 
or rather high school is really the last point in which your teachers are contractually required to give a damn. If you don't show up to <laughs> class in college, your professor doesn't even know your name. You're not going to get marked absent. You're not going to go through any type of reprimanding for not showing up. You just won't be known. But teachers <laughs> have to care and genuinely do care most of the time. In fact, yeah, I remember yeah. um, I had told my English teacher, Missy Scavage, who I, I had ninth grade and I had 12th grade and we've been close ever like for all four years. I had told her I had gone into Harvard and Yale and she started crying. And it, I started crying, too, because she said to me, like, you thought that you didn't deserve this for so long. Like, you thought that you would never get this for so long. Uh-huh. And now you got it. Like, you got what you've been wanting for so long. And, um, you know, that just struck with me because it's like at a certain point, especially if you're like me, naturally self-deprecative, uh, like you will see that there are so many people who believe in you. Even when yeah. you don't believe in yourself. And if you yep. can't do things for your yourself, you got to do it for them. And that's kind of the path that yeah. I have to take. Yeah. Okay. That That is also amazing. Yeah. That's actually so funny because my, t- like my English teacher that I had freshman year, I will have for AP Lit again. Yeah. That's so exactly that's actually really funny. Be. I have her for AP Lit. Yep. Yeah. Um. So I guess this honestly kind of ties into the question I literally just asked, but Do you have any advice? I guess this is more towards the application process itself. Um, Do you have any advice for incoming high school seniors that will be starting the application process in the fall? Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, (laughs) so I will, I will do, I will give two pieces or two sections of advice, one for freshmen and one for seniors. So for seniors, not to be pessimistic, but if you're a senior, you really can't change much about who you are. You've already yep. done four years, so your extracurriculars are the same. Your grades are pretty much what they're going to be uh, by the end of your junior year. The only thing that you can control are your test scores, your essays, and maybe your letters of rec if you're really specific with who you request them from. So that's all that's really in your ball court. What I will say is, and I mean this in the nicest way as possible, as someone who has read a lot of my friends' essays a lot of seniors yeah. in high school don't know how to write. And it's not because they're uh-huh. bad writers necessarily. It's because they don't read. So they don't actually know what good writing looks like. Um, yeah. Like that's pretty harsh, but it's true. A lot of people. Yeah. I, I'm not going to like pat myself on the back, but a lot of people have told me that my writing is good. And I attribute that uh-huh. to the fact that I've done so much reading, both academic and just, you know, fun literature that I know yeah. I have a written voice because I've learned from people who, you know, write for a living. So to yeah. seniors, I would say start early, like start your common app, get a draft or an idea by July, quite frankly. Okay. Ooh. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> At least know what prompt you want to do. I don't think I actually yeah. started like writing drafts until August because I was studying for my SAT. Um, yeah. But, you know, you got to have an idea because for me, my first deadline was October 15th. It was that fast. Mm-hmm. So That's crazy. Yeah. So start your essays early, especially if you plan on applying to like more than five colleges. Uh, yeah. Let your recommenders know that you need a recommendation from them earlier and sooner rather than later. The people I asked recommendations from were some of the most popular teachers at my school. So everyone was asking uh-huh. for them. And at a certain point, some teachers would just say, I'm sorry, I can't. I'm like up to my ears and letters of rec. But I had asked yeah. quite early. So I had gotten mine out the, like, over and done with just on Naviance. Um, okay. One thing, another thing I will say is that you need to find a dream price, not a dream school. There are so many people I know 
both my personal life and online who will get into their dream school and then they can't afford it and then they have to go somewhere else. And I'm thinking, yeah. don't hedge your bets on a school in which you know you cannot afford to go to. Um, uh-huh. And my last piece of advice would be, um, you know, regardless of where you end up, your worth is not deemed by the school that you go to. I know terrible people yes. who are going to top schools and I'm knowing wonderful people who are going to uh, state schools. Not the state schools terrible bad, people yeah. going to top schools. <laughs> yeah. So uh, enjoy, be excited about where you're going to school, be excited about, you know, being independent and going to college and becoming an adult, because regardless of if you're going to Harvard or if you're going to ACC, growing up and becoming an adult, it's scary, but it's exciting. And so I don't think uh-huh. you need to be, I don't think you need to, um, you know, feel down because you didn't get into the school of your choice because it's just a part of growing up. Rejection is part of growing up. But lastly, for the seniors, don't be, a, don't expect rejection before you've been apply, applied. Yeah. I know that uh, Michael Jordan quote that's like, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. That sounds yeah, corny. Michael Scott said yeah, that. That sounds corny, but it's true. It literally is. Uh-huh. If you don't take the chance, yeah. then 100% you know you're not going to get it. So apply. And I feel like you can live through that. Like, you can live through that through personal experience, yes, too. Yes, yes. Always apply. Apply for Coke. Apply for Jefferson Scholars, Robertson. Apply for every single opportunity that you can get your hands on. Because you just yeah. might get it. And if you do get it, like me, it might change your life. Now, uh huh. for high school freshmen... Do not dilly-dally freshman year. There are so many people who have bad GPAs or bad, like, low GPAs because they didn't take freshman year seriously, and that will come back to haunt you. Um, Mm -hmm. Do things that you like. Do not do things that you think other people will like. If I had done things that I thought other people would like, I'd probably... Well, I'd probably be in STEM right now. <laughs> I'd probably be oh, in STEM. I'm not going to lie. My mom wanted girl. me to be like a computer scientist for so long. And I constantly fought against it because I literally, I'm, I don't like math. I don't like science. I'm, I mean, I did speech and debate for like four years straight, like and wasted, yeah. not wasted. I enjoyed it. But like would spend eight hours in a school cafeteria, just like giving speeches and debating people. Uh-huh. But that's what I like to do. Uh-huh. And I don't regret it for a second. Um, yeah. And this is the last thing. Service. A lot of people, uh-huh. you know, they do volunteering and they do service because they think like, oh, I need to get my graduation requirements in or like this will look good. But I would say one of the biggest things that people find hard about college essays is that they don't know what to write about. And you might not know what to write about, not to roast people, but because you haven't had meaningful experiences in the past four years. Contrary <laughs> to popular belief, I seldom wrote about smob in any of my essays in fact i think i only wrote about smob in my scholarship essay to uva everywhere else i wrote about either like doing lessons for third graders at bell group elementary or i wrote about you know making a legal literacy curriculum in youth youth advisory council by participating in your community you will not only enrich your own life over these next four years but you will bonus have something to write about when people ask you what you've been doing how that's impacted you and how that affects who you want to become um yeah and also service should be something that's lifelong like you should be serving regardless of if you're going to be applying to college soon so i would implore anyone like get on the service learning portal i know arus is a rock star at that (laughs) Um, yeah she's on the team she's on the team yeah i I know she just got the governor's uh youth service award yes yes so that is amazing one one senior in all of maryland yeah so 
I'm, I'm telling you, service is something that has to, not has to, people have different values, but that's a value that I hold very close to me, participating in my community, yeah. because when you go outside of your street or your school and you interact with people, especially in a county like ours, Anne Arundel County, you will find some of the most beautiful stories and work that people do completely for free just to help those and their neighbors. So uh-huh. that would be my advice. I'm no, I'm no old hag that like knows everything. <laughs> like I'm just a random 18 year old from Gambrels, but you know, I wish someone told me that when I was a freshman, cause that would have been. Yeah, no. And that's the whole point. Yeah. Yeah. So now I think that someone will listen and really feel trusted in your advice and hopefully actually pursue that because I think that is so important, but um, thank you so much for meeting with me tonight. I can't believe we went for a whole hour. I mean, I can believe it because I knew we had a lot to talk about, but um, I really appreciate you taking all this time out of your night. I know that you're super busy and I wish you the best of luck at Duke. I'm very excited for you. I know it'll be so fun. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It's it's going to be really fun. Like I, I remember, <laughs> I think I said in my, uh, like yesterday, my board meeting, like I'm jealous of those who are staying behind. I'm not that jealous. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I'm ready to go to college. Yeah. I actually have a summer retreat with my scholarship like cohort mates. Oh, where are you guys going? Uh, we're going to we're going somewhere in the mountains in North Carolina mm-hmm. um for like a camping expedition. Oh. So it's literally like a countdown to the first week of August. I will miss ACPS and I will miss students like you who literally make all of those like restless nights all worth it because I get to be sitting here talking to you right now Aww. and having this great conversation. Um, but I'm going to enjoy being a Duke a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I'm going to continue stalking your Instagram because it is a hobby for me. You and Arusa's Crask page, I literally love. And the South River High School Destinations page. Those are places I love oh to be. Gosh. I love the – I looked at the Arundel one too. Um, I, I – oh, my God. We are so similar. I used to do the same thing. Like I would stalk for, uh, like, last year and the year before, and I'd be like, hmm, who's going to Stanford? I wonder how we did that. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like – whoever does your guys' page, I really like that one. Um, oh, my gosh. I know who does it. She will be so, um, like, flattered. Yeah, tell her I love it. Tell her I'm on it every night. <laughs> All yeah. right. Thank you, Boomy. Have a great night. You too. Thank you so much.